Hola, cariño. Hola, amor. Y bienvenidos a Wiki Horror, a Latinx horror movie podcast with Johnny and Eileen. I'm Johnny. And I'm Eileen. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Oh, my goodness. How are you? Uh, you know what? I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little, I'm feeling a little somber today just because of the subject matter of uh, we're, what we're going to discuss but we will get to that in a moment so that's how I'm feeling right now how are you yeah this is a this is a bummer this week is my pick we're going back to Chile and I my dad called me this morning and I was like oh we're doing this movie from Chile and there's just something in me that I'm like Chile, again, mm. are you okay? Do you need a hug? I'm not even do you need a hug. I want to give you a hug, Chile, because it's like you guys have gone through it. And um, this classic Chile vibes in that we're going into a Pinochet era themed film. This is based off of a specific person. We'll get to who that is, I think, later in trivia. Yes. And again, like we've said before, with all of our Chile movies, <laughs> this is it's a bummer, dude. It's yeah. a real bummer. Yeah. And so far in Chile, at least what we're getting, though, in this exploration of this, you know, deep, deep trauma throughout the years is this creative exploration, you know, and we've seen it explored incredibly violently before, which has mm -hmm. truly disturbed us. We've seen it in lots of different ways. And this time, we're kind of going in the vein of La Casa Lobo. Yes. Which we covered quite some time ago. And also, not only that, it's a short yes. film. Mm -hmm. Which <laughs> I've been wanting to do this for a while, just because when I first saw it come out, I was like, oh, this looks cool. And I was worried that it wasn't going to be like the kind of movie we would cover that maybe it wasn't spooky enough. But I was like, I don't know. I think this is spooky enough or like creepy enough because it's an animated short film yes which is why i was like kind of in the vein of la casa lobo exactly and touching on similar themes absolutely so today we're covering the 2021 film by hugo covarrubias written also by hugo covarrubias and martin erraso and it's bestia Nominated for an Oscar for Best Short Film. I don't think it won the Oscar. However, it did not get nominated for an Oscar. Huge deal, along with getting nominated for many, many, many other awards. A lot. Not even nominated, winning so, so many awards. Well deserved because this movie is fucking awesome. It's very, very cool. And also, I just want to add here that... <laughs> This is stupid, but thank you for picking a short film. Yeah, <laughs> because my morning, I did the same thing where I was like, I'm just going to wake up and I'm going to take care of it this morning. It was luxurious. And uh, yes, <laughs> it was somber because I was like, oh, this goes this gets dark. But I just want to say thank you to you because <laughs> it was like taking a teeny tiny little luxurious break being like 15 minutes. Great. Delightful. But I'm also very excited to talk about this movie with you. 
I went to feed a cat. I came back. I watched it. I showered. I made myself breakfast. And then I watched it again to take my notes. Yep. Truly a delight. So I'm also, thank you, Eileen, me, for doing this for us. <laughs> so let's chat about Bestia. Let's see what synopsis you have for us. All right, great. So I actually found the synopsis, I believe, from the actual Bestia website, which is bestia-shortfilm.com. Very to the point. And this is their synopsis. Inspired by real events, Bestia enters the life of a secret police agent in the military dictatorship in Chile. The relationship with her dog, her body, her fears and frustrations reveal a macabre fracture in her mind and a country. Yep. I love the word macabre. Oh, it's a great word. That's great. So, yeah, let's let's get into this movie. All right, let's talk about Bestia. We hear a low rumbling soundtrack begin, and it grows louder and louder and more menacing by each increment of volume. Mm. When suddenly it switches to an airplane hum, and we see a tiny little airline meal upon a folded out tray. We see steak, little mashed potatoes, a little salad, some utensils, a cup, and a cigarette, and a lighter. Already we know this is back in the day because we wouldn't be having <laughs> a lighter and a cigarette. I was going to say, which class do you have to be sitting in? Well, first of all, the <laughs> cigarette, but also to get this whole meal here. It's, I can't even remember the last time I saw something like this. Ten years, maybe? My, the ten years. I remember when you would travel in coach and you would get a legit meal. I think the last time I was on a plane with you, actually, when we were going to, I don't know, vacation somewhere where it was a long ass flight. And I was like, whoa, like they put a tray of food. In was it Hawaii? Yeah, girl, it was Hawaii. I mean, again, let's also establish here, this is all actual, like, th this is art that has been yeah. placed in front of this this person. So going off of that, this is a stop motion animated mm. film. So mm -hmm. even though I said it's animated in the beginning, it's stop motion. So everything is made of, like, either felt or cardboard mm. or something like that. I would want to have that little meal as like something to put as decoration somewhere in my house. Can I put it up on my wall? Yeah. It's so cute. So cute. So intricate. So well made. Yes. But you can literally see like in certain things like where somebody went in with a pen and just wrote stuff. I. It's yeah. just so good. It's beautiful and full of character. This world is built out. Yes. Now we see a woman, and she has a round face and a short, rounded bob with a mid part. And this woman, unlike everything else in this world we're living in, she's made of porcelain. And she's shiny, like resin over her face. Very much like those little dolls that my mom used to constantly be like, I had aquí tus porcelain dolls. I hated them. They gave me nightmares. I always was like, Get them out of my room, mom. Yeah. Uh, but she's like, no, si tan bella. No. So this is like a round <laughs> little nugget lady. Yeah. Shiny, a little red lip, some like very thin, cold eyes. Yes. Kind of like the face doesn't move very much. I mean, aside from the fact that it is, you know, this is all like animation here. But the purpose of this is that the face is kind of immovable. Correct. Cold. 
There's a crack that goes across her face from her right temple over her nose to the other side of her cheek. And she looks out of her little window seat. We see all the clouds as we're flying over. And these clouds are made of crumpled Mm. paper. It's very (laughs) cool. And from her profile, you can see that the crack that goes across her face starts from a hole right at her temple. And we slowly zoom into this hole. And the airplane hum that we've been hearing becomes a really high-pitched ring. Like, Mm. kind of. Suddenly, we're in an open field, like a beautiful grassy knoll, if you will. It's Mm. sunny and bright outside. And this woman is standing on one end of the screen. And on the other end of the screen is a German shepherd. She picks up a stick and she throws it. The dog catches it in the air and brings it to her. It sits. It looks up at her. And then we see her looking down at the dog. And over her head, we see our title card. Bestia. Interesting, though, that, you know, we're looking at what one could call a bestia, a dog. But mm-hmm. the title appears above Over her, her head. head. Bestia. Wow. Interesting. Okay. okay. In a bedroom, this woman stands in front of a full-length mirror in her bra and underwear looking at herself. Now, her body is made of fabric, but mm. her head is the porcelain one. Her head, her hands, and I believe her feet, but... Definitely her hands and her face or or head. Now we're in the kitchen and she's making herself some bread and jam and some instant coffee as her German shepherd sits in a chair at the table. (laughs) (laughs) A timer dings and she pulls out some muffins from the oven and she gives the dog one. He snarfs it up and she sits with him across from him on the table having her coffee and smoking a cigarette as a soft little song plays on the clock radio. Now, if you were to watch this movie and if you were to go in like, I have no idea what this is about. Uh Uh-huh. Sure, that little intro, you know, the kind of foreboding music going into that high-pitched sound might make you feel like, oh, this is creeping me out. The fractured porcelain doll with a hole in the head, like that, yes, dark, that looks scary or creepy at least. But you, this is cozy, comfy, cute. Absolutely. You know, it's just like this kind of, Plump porcelain lady making breakfast for her super cute, obedient felt dog. She feeds him muffins for breakfast. It's so sweet. Adorable. Adorable. Look at how she puts jam on her on her little piece of bread. It's very cute. It is misleading. Leading. (laughs) Absolutely. Also, just want to point out that at this point, when we are watching the woman, she doesn't have the crack on her face. Ah, There's no hole in her temple. She is... Perfectly porcelain. Mm -hmm. The woman puts her coat on. She leashes her dog up and we see them riding the public trans together just on a bus going somewhere. They arrive at a gray house with a big moodle all around it, like a big like um, not a fence, like a wall that goes around it. Like you can't see over this thing. There's definitely a an iron door to let yourself in. You can't see what's behind this wall. I remember when I moved to the United States mm-hmm. after growing up in Latin America, seeing all the homes without fences and walls and moodles like this. I was like, what the fuck? Anybody can just walk up to your house. Because I remember me growing up Brazil, Bolivia, Nicaragua, Mexico, todas las casas, all of them, at least most of them have a wall 
yeah. uh, like not even just like a picket fence. Like we're talking like a no. wall and a strong door. Uh-huh. You can't get in there. Yeah, you got to get buzzed in. And that's just how it was. That's what it. this reminded me of. Absolutely. Me too. And we hear someone from inside of the house behind this wall come out and open the door for the woman and her dog. Inside, a man sits at a desk and he's twirling a cassette tape with a pencil. Like, that's how you would rewind it, I guess. Like, you're just like twirling it and twirling it on a pencil, which I was like, this is so funny. And as he's doing that, she signs into a book, like a check-in book, Mm. like my name and what time you arrive kind of thing. Another man stands behind the man at the desk with his arms crossed. And these two men are also made of porcelain. Now we're in the darkness and a door opens from above like we it's from our point of view. So the woman stands in the doorway at the top of what looks like some stairs. And it's like we're at the bottom looking up at her Mm -hmm. and something about the way that this little woman doll is made like her arms are very long. Mm. And there's something about that like creeped me out for some reason. The creepiness grows. As you go on. Yeah. Yes. Officially, I think it begins at this moment where we're looking up from the darkness. Yeah. And she's looking down at us in this like she's backlit. You don't see her face. It's just like almost just her shape. It's creepy. Slightly threatening. Yes, very much. And um, you're just like, why are you going down there? What's 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 going on? We see that she puts a cassette tape into a tape deck and she presses play and a fun little disco-y jam plays. It reminded me of, have you heard that song that's been really popular in the past years? Um, There was a Russian man that happened long ago. He was big and strong and his arms are made of brown. Have you ever heard that song? No, sing it again. <laughs> no, I won't because you're embarrassing me. I love uh, it so much. Was this like a, a, a TikTok thing? No, it was a mm-hmm. just dance thing. Like oh, the, the, on, okay. So the the way would because it got popular is because the dance move was like you were doing the you know the leg kicking from the yes uh huh yeah yeah the, yeah the Russian men do and yeah. then like the character in Just Dance wears like a thing like a Russian thing and you're like he was a Russian man that happened long ago. Oh, I see. I bet you if someone were to play it for me, I would, of course, recognize it. Our listeners will know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I bet they will. Hopefully. I doubt. <laughs> it's just so embarrassing. So anyways, this song plays and the music is very loud. You can hear immediately that when it starts, you're just like, it's unusually loud. Mm. And we zoom into this rolling playing cassette. Now it's nighttime and we're outside of the gray house and we see that the woman and her dog are leaving a military truck, which I didn't Mm. pay attention to until my second watch. I was like, oh, that's a military truck. Yeah. Goes by with men sitting on the bed of the truck and they're all wearing military helmets and it drives by in front of her. As she looks across the street and she sees a man standing there also made of porcelain. But unlike the other two men that we've seen and her face, this man doesn't have a face (gasps) painted onto his little porcelain head. There are indentations of where like the eyes should be and the mouth and whatever and like the little nose, but it's blank. Very eerie. Very 
Michael Myersy to me. Yes. And and the the truck going by gave me curfew, something like that. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. They're doing the rounds to see what's going on yeah. out there. It's like time to go home. Uh-huh. Let's go. Or else. Yeah. Now in her bedroom, again in her underpants, this woman is writing in her journal, it seems. She closes it and she tucks it underneath her nightstand. Not in a drawer, not in a thing. Un- like underneath the entire mueble, she puts her journal under there. She puts her pen on top of the nightstand where we also see a gun. This gun reveal was shocking to me. Agreed. Very much so. I thought on your nightstand, not in a, not in a gaveta, not like on it. Ooh, damn. Brother, you make one quick movement, yes, esa mierda se vuela tu fucking brains out. There's no way I could sleep with that there. No way. No, no way. way. As she lies down on her bed, we see that it turns into an aerial shot of her, and her dog hops onto the bed and curls up at her feet. She closes her eyes, and then suddenly she opens them back up, but we're back at that field from the beginning. But it's not day. It's not pretty and like grassy and beautiful. Mm. It's just black background Mm. and this grassy field. The woman stands up and she looks around and the dog barks. And on the other side, there it is. And it's waiting. She throws the stick. He catches it in the air and he brings it to her. But now she's got a sword in her hand. The dog sits and then she slices his head right the fuck off but we still hear the dog panting so she looks over at the head the dog's decapitated head bleeding out from the neck but it's still holding the stick in its mouth and it's still panting and then we look at the body of the dog that's still sitting like the dog is still just chilling there no head and From the center of the wound, there's a little hole, like where the esophagus, I guess, would be. Mm. And a little blob of blood, almost like, I'd describe it as crawls out of that hole. Mm -hmm. Doesn't spew. It literally, like, almost como un animalito, comes out of of the hole of the esophagus and drops to the ground. Yeah. You would expect just, like, spew. Burning blood. Yeah. But it was just that one. Just a little. Alive drop. Like a slug almost. Yes. A blood slug. Oh, blood slug. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Blood slug. (laughs) It's the next morning in the kitchen and the clock radio plays and the woman is staring out into nothing like she's kind of in a daze. The dog whimpers and she kind of comes back to herself. She grabs a chef's knife that's on the table and she starts chopping up some raw meat. And this meat, sec- I was just like, this looks so good. They, It's almost like they got a piece of tuna. Yes, that's exactly what I thought. It looked like fish. Yeah, but like they shaped it to look like a little piece of steak. It just looks, I mean... I'm just going to every now and then remind everybody that this is stop motion animation. And it's just so fucking cool to look at. 
You must see it to believe it. And also, this is ridiculous, but I was totally like, give me some soy sauce and some wasabi. That would be delicious. Dude, in the beginning, in that little meal, like that steak and mashed potatoes, I was like, I want to eat that. Give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) It's so crazy. So she slices up this raw meat and she puts it in a bowl for the dog sitting at the fucking chair at the table again. And he eats it up. The timer goes off again. The muffins come out and the dog snarfs up another muffin and she sits across from her dog, sipping her instant coffee. And suddenly the chef's knife on the kitchen table starts to slightly move Mm. and the dog looks down at it and barks and she points like almost like gives the order to the dog to go to the door like shush, shush, shush it, Mm -hmm. go to the door. The dog walks over to the door and he sits and he waits for her as she puts her coat on. She leashes him up. And then again, they get on the public transportation and they arrive at the gray house. They're let in and the two men are now sitting at the desk together and they're drinking from bottles, kind of laughing, chatting, smoking cigarettes. Are they supposed to be like boozing it up right here? Well, so she... Signs in her name into the notebook again, but not before kicking an empty bottle on the ground. And she looks up at these two men and you can see in her face, even though she's porcelain and very unmoving, they do slightly change her eyes to make her brow kind of furrow. And you can tell she's like disapproving of this moment. Yes. And then again, we see that same shot from below in the darkness, like we're in the darkness for a moment. And then the woman opens the door and is standing in the doorframe. But this time after that shot, we also see her in another room. But it's like something is covering our eyes. If it's our point of view, we're looking out into this space. She's at the door. It's like a frayed fabric is over the Mm. lens. It's very creepy. And she's just standing there ominously looking at us. Mm. And then she walks over to the tape deck. She presses play again on that cassette. The same Russian man song begins. But now she walks over to a record player next to the cassette player and plays a record. So now we have two contrasting songs playing at once and both disarmingly loud, which are just like, yeah. This is meant to cover something up. Absolutely. You don't want us to hear something. Uh Uh-huh. And then we see the woman. And I'm not talking about the woman that we've just been hanging out with. It's another Mm -hmm. woman. She's lying on the ground naked with a ragged, frayed blindfold on her face. So that point of view that we saw, that was we were that woman Went yeah. seeing her come in behind the woman that's blindfolded propped up on the wall is a urine stained mattress. The woman rolls over on the ground, giving her back to us. And then the camera pans out and we see that our woman, she gently unleashes the dog and the dog walks over to the woman on the ground and he sniffs at her. And then we get a single shot of the woman, not the blindfolded woman the woman as she watches something Mm. and the two contrasting songs get louder and louder. Something dark is happening. We're beginning to see that this round woman we've been with something is Mm -hmm. awry with her. 
Because we've covered films before that have dealt with the Pinochet regime and all that stuff, watching this movie, I was like, oh, I can tell where this is kind of going. But when you told me about this short film, I didn't know anything about it. And so watching it, I was going in kind of like, I don't really know what this is about. Mm -hmm. And these small reveals were chilling. Yeah. Because I know enough, honestly, through our Uy Horror episodes and research to know like, oh, this is not good. Yeah. As these two songs get louder and louder, suddenly we're outside in an aerial shot. And those songs, instead of being loud, are now muffled. It's like we're hearing them from outside. And we see the two men throw a wrapped body into the trunk of a car and drive away. Oh, Jesus. As they do, the woman and her dog walk out of the gray house. Okay, guys. (laughs) Again, because this always happens, we're going to get something weird and fucked and graphic right now. So trigger, trigger warning for horrible things. Now in her bedroom, we see the woman lying down naked in her bed. We hear the dog licking as the camera pans out. We see that the dog is licking her vagina. Jesus Christ. Now, did you notice on Mm -hmm. the ground next to her bed, there's a can with a spoon in it? Yes. I didn't notice that until my second watch. And I was like, same. Okay. Because I pause because this movie, I feel, is full of symbolism here. There, There were often moments where I paused Mm -hmm. just to be like, let me look at everything that's in this frame right now. Again, it's fucking stop motion animation. And they are so detailed about the spaces that they've built. It's fantastic. Now, I don't know if this is too early to mention this, but I'm going to throw it in here because of the little thing of jam or whatever it is next to the bed. I think that she is training this dog that she did this clearly on purpose like she put the the jam or whatever it is on her vagina and she is training this dog to do this specifically see i think that's very i mean it's still dark and fucked but i think that's giving her a lot of credit because i just think she's a sick person oh (laughs) yes absolutely (laughs) Yes. Um, I think this is something we can explore a little bit in trivia, but I agree. Sick, sick woman. Yes. So now we get a montage of a bunch of little moments and I'm going to describe them very briefly. Just fly right through them. So we get the ding of the timer. The muffins coming out. We see her wiping down a decorative plate on a shelf. She sits at her table smoking. She opens the oven tray again, but instead of muffins... It's a gun. She looks through records. One of them, I don't know if you noticed, was Roberto Carlos. Did you notice that? (gasps) No, I didn't. The record she pulls out. Well, I had paused it randomly because I was writing things down. And just on that screen, on that shot, I was like, oh, my God, Roberto Carlos. For everybody who doesn't know, Roberto Carlos was a humongous singer in Brazil, like huge crooner. Women went crazy for him. I never (laughs) saw the appeal of like the sex. Everybody was like, my panties. And I was like, "Okay, he sings nice, but he doesn't look that good. But okay." (laughs) 
we see a secret compartment in her wall that she hides mm. her journal in and she closes mm. a little like weird section of the wall to hide it. And then we see another covered body being thrown into a car trunk. She stands naked in front of her mirror, holding her breast. Now she stands alone in a field, also still in darkness. Another body in the trunk of a car. We see the dog humping the blindfolded woman. Ugh. Another body in the trunk of a car. Again at the mirror with her lifting her breast and letting it fall. Now here's a note on like how cool this movie is animated. In that section where she's lifting her boob and dropping it. Like it jiggles like the way that a boob would. And I'm just like, bro, how long did it take you to do that? First of all, how did you do that? Because it's fabric like it. Fabric wouldn't jiggle. But yet this boob jiggles. It jiggles like a boob. (laughs) This whole sequence. I mean, dark, scary, creepy. I literally just wrote bodies on bodies on bodies. So many bodies. But this also shows us just like the passage of time yes. and that she just keeps doing this. I believe that the the green field with the darkness is to symbolize when she is sleeping and having these nightmares, I believe. And it's just like time is passing and she keeps returning to this gray ass house where she's doing whatever it is that she's doing down there in the basement. We're seeing her daily routine. Yes. Mm. So now it's raining at the gray house. The woman goes to sign in, but the man behind the desk stops her. Instead, he hands her an envelope and she takes it. And right as she takes it, it cuts from the gray house to her own house. So she's standing in her living room and we see that she crumples the envelope angrily in her fist. And she looks over at a bookshelf that she has where she was wiping that plate down. And we officially see what's been on those shelves. It's military medals. It's dog awards. It's a picture of a crew of women in military uniforms. And it's Nazi paraphernalia. Another piece of the puzzle for us to see who this woman is. Like on your bookshelf for all to see. Not that anybody's going to be coming through this house, Beto. Uh-huh. But I also paused and just to note here that she also, I looked up like, what is this symbolism? But she has a fist, which is the symbol of Dina from Chile. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about Dina soon. And also she has a parachutist's badge or like a symbol, what I would call eagle wings with a parachute in between. Which we'll get to very soon. So she walks over to this bookshelf with all this shit that she's got on there and she angrily sweeps everything off of the shelves. She walks over to a wall. She slams her fist onto it and a framed newspaper article with a picture of her and the headline that says La Primera Paracaidista de Chile, which means the first woman parachutist of Chile. That article falls down off of the wall and then she slams her fist again. Like her little porcelain face is like pissed. She is angry. She's scary. Very scary. And she slams her fist again in the middle of her dining table and the table and the whole entire screen, like the house, everything we're in cracks in two, leaving her standing like not even standing. Floating in total blackness. With that 
angry little face. Seething. That bitch is flames, flames on the side of my face. Like she is <laughs> mad. <laughs> this shot was incredible. Absolutely. This took my breath away. In this darkness, across from her, floating again like her in this blackness, a chair and the tape deck is there. And the tape deck starts to decompose slash turn into dust and kind of like blows and dissipates down into nothing. And it's just like a pile of dust on the chair. And then eventually it kind of like flows away until there's nothing left, just the chair sitting there. Very La Casa Lobo vibes for me. Uh-huh, uh-huh. She falls to her knees. We're back in her reality. And she stands up. She goes to the window. She peers through the blinds. And across the street, the man with no face is standing there. It's the next day, and she's in her military greens now. And she leaves her dog behind at home because she's going to her office desk job. and. She's looking around. You can tell she's almost dissatisfied. Like she's just like, oh, yeah, back to my regular old day job desk job. Yeah. She looks down at her typewriter on her desk and with all her like lamp and her like little filing card or whatever and her stapler instead of it being on the desk. Now it's on top of grass, like from the field. Mm. And suddenly we're back at that field again and she looks up and it's still like that blackness. It's not light like the first time we see it. It's just a black background and this grassy field. And she looks up and she sees a miniature version of the gray house up ahead from her. And from it, there's like lights going off and you can hear the muffled music that we were listening to before. And she walks up to the house and she bends down to look at it and suddenly the little gray house like scoots back on its own and we hear a dog bark and she looks over and it's the headless dog and next to it the head but instead of it being the dog head it's the faceless man's head back at her house in what we seem to believe is her reality again she walks around her bedroom looking for something She checks under the nightstand with her little hand, but nothing's there. And then she gets up Mm -hmm. and she looks over to the door of her bedroom. And on the ground, right at the doorframe, is her journal. Oh, boy. So it's like we're living in this paranoid place now. Yes. Because she's like, I had my journal here. But then we remember before when she had like hit it in that nook in the wall. But then now it's on the fucking floor. Like, is this... Her imagination, like, or... Or was somebody in here? This is an unreliable narrator, what we're discovering. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) In her kitchen, the woman stands at the table, but the dog, instead of sitting at the table, is outside and he's barking and barking. At the table, the chef's knife is turning and turning on its own, just like on the table. Y de repente, it stops with the blade pointing towards her. She quickly grabs it and slams it point down onto the table. She goes over to the living room. She grabs her gun, her journal, and she puts it in her purse. She walks out of the house and she is looking around paranoid, like checking everything. She walks down the street, checking behind her, looking all the time. And across the street, a man is watching her. 
Not the faceless man. This man has a face. And then from another street post behind it, we see another man. This guy has a beard. And he begins to follow her. We see an aerial view of her crossing the street when the bearded man pulls out a gun and he shoots her. She falls to the ground. Her journal falls out of her purse. And the bearded man walks up to her, grabs the journal, and walks away. And then the other man walks up behind her and pulls out his gun. From the ground, she looks back at this man. Blam. Darkness. We hear again the high-pitched ringing from the very top. (laughs) And we get an aerial shot of the woman on the ground bleeding out from the hole in her temple. It zooms into the hole and suddenly the hole becomes the front door of her house. The door opens and inside in her hallway, a giant bullet is slowly making its way through the house. Wow. As it does in like a time lapse version of things, we see her kitchen slowly start to like. The chairs are on top of the table, and it's almost like people are coming in to take things out of it. You don't see people. It's just like things start disappearing, and then suddenly it's empty. It's just an empty kitchen. We're back to the bullet again, slowly going through this hallway, and it gets to her bedroom door, and it goes halfway through when we see the inside of her room from above and again, a time lapse of her furniture being around and taken out and slowly but surely it becomes an empty room also. But the mm. bullet stays lodged in that doorway and the camera pulls back really quickly this time and through the hole of her temple and we're back on the plane looking out of the window. The woman takes a drag from her cigarette and puts it out in the little armrest ashtray, oh. which again, <laughs> I remember being little and like just spending the flight going big book, big book, big book. And my mom being Absolutely. like, yeah, hack it, and I'm like, sorry, I'm bored. <laughs> I got to do something. The woman looks out of the window at the clouds made of paper. Yeah, yeah. Standing on the clouds is the faceless man. Suddenly, there are more and more people there on the clouds, men and women, all of them faceless. We see the woman in her seat. She lights another cigarette. Fin de la película. But through the credits, we see four different video images. Very quick. Like we see lists of names and a short little video. Real life, not animated, black and white. The first one is the outside of a house. The second one is a German shepherd. The third is an iron gate with a wooden pentagram hanging outside of it. Mm. And the last is of another house. Officially, fin de la película. Before we get into trivia, Mm -hmm. I have some questions. Just to clarify what exactly some of the symbolism, I think, was supposed to be in here. Because, listen, I loved this, but this was artsy-fartsy. Yeah. And a lot, lots of times, this kind of stuff goes right over my head. Mm. And just to establish, you know, what was happening here, we'll get more into detail. But this woman was torturing people in the basement, and her dog was part of this. Correct. In some way. So, why don't we go through our trivia? Okay. 
So this is my trivia for today, and I think it's worth mentioning at the top here, trigger warning, there is some dark, dark torture, sexual abuse stuff in here. Yeah. Uh, so we're about to get into it. All right. So this is from BBC.com, an article written by Cecilia Barria, February 10th of 2022. So this year. Known as the woman with the dogs, Ingrid Felicitas Olderok Bernhardt was a former agent of the National Directorate of National Intelligence, also known as DINA, Mm -hmm. which we've spoken about in previous episodes. It was basically Pinochet's... uh, It's secret police. It's his secret police. Secret police. Even though not even that secret. Like, you knew. Oh, yeah. Olderok, a former Carabineros officer, which I was like, I wasn't sure what that was. So the Carabineros de Chile are the Chilean National Law Enforcement Police who have jurisdiction over the entire national territory of Chile. Mm. She became the most prominent woman within the DINA, and one of her functions was the training of dozens of young women to confront political enemies. Mm. I think that's what that picture was on on the shelf, the women in their military uniforms. Yeah. I think you're right. Stories from her victims accuse her of having trained dogs to rape political prisoners in the detention centers where many disappeared, especially in one of the most brutal precincts, La Venda Sexy, Mm. a two-story house in a middle-class sector of the Macul Commune in Santiago. Survivors who passed through La Venda Sexy, such as Beatriz Batasiu, I'm going to say is how do you, pr- you pronounce this last name. I apologize if that's if that's incorrect. Have denounced the use of dogs as a method of torture, as well as hanging, drowning, mock executions, forced pregnancies, forced abortions or electric shocks to the genitals. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Batasiu said to local press in the Venda Sexy, there was a dog named Bolodia trained to sexually violate women. However, Olderok denied all accusations and she was never subjected to a judicial process. It's fucked. Mm. One of the few people who had the opportunity to talk extensively with the former agent was the Chilean journalist Nancy Guzman, who published the book Ingrid Olderok, La Mujer de los Perros, in which she describes Olderok as the most powerful and brutal woman in the Dina. In dialogue with BBC Mundo, Guzman recounts that one day in 1996, 1996, so Mm -hmm. this is like, this woman's just living her life. The woman died in 2001, dude. And then, like I mentioned earlier, like, not, no judicial nada. Puta. So Guzman knocked on the door of Olderok's house in Bremen Street in the Nunoa commune, and there appeared a woman with a thick body, large hands, and a hoarse voice with a cigarette in her hand. It was her. She lived completely alone, says Guzman. She had no children. She had no husband. She was like a commando herself. She was a specialist in shooting, skydiving, martial arts, horseback riding, and dog training, which is why I was like, maybe she's training that dog, like I mentioned. So let's just talk a little bit about Ingrid's past. So Ingrid Olderok's father emigrated from Germany in 1925 at the age of 29, And along with her sisters, Ingrid grew up under a very strict family system. They were not allowed to speak Spanish or have Chilean friends in fucking Chile. Dude. Wow. But it was like, remember the commune that we covered of Casa Lobo? It was the same thing. They were like, no, you must speak German. Yeah. Via Dignidad. Colonia Dignidad. That's what it was. 
So this article continues, this is how they grew practically isolated. I have been a Nazi since I was little, since I learned that the best period that Germany lived was when the Nazis were in power, when there was work and tranquility and there were no shameless thieves, says Olderok in Guzman's book. I mean, you're right. This woman is, she was sick. A psycho. It's, it's just so dark. When in 1967, Carabineros authorized the admission of women to its school of officers, Olderok entered the first competition. She was the first woman parachutist in Chile and Latin America. She claimed to be an expert in horseback riding and dog training, as well as having a blue belt in judo. And with those credentials, she quickly became part of the secret service directed by Colonel Manuel Contreras, the Dina. As she demonstrated her abilities, Olderó consolidated her position of power within the service. But in 1981, her life took a turn. Leaving her house, she was attacked by two unknown assailants who shot her in the head and belly at close range, but did not kill her. In fact, she survived to the end of her days with a bullet lodged in her head. Woo! Which I think in the movie, it, they did that so well, where it was the bullet staying in that doorway. And then yes. when we pull out and we're back with her in the airplane now with the hole, you're just like, fuck, dude, it's in there. <laughs> yeah, it's just stuck in there. So members of the Revolutionary Left Movement, or MIR, were accused of the attack. However, Olderok always insisted that the attack had been planned against her by the very intelligent services that were trying to punish her for her alleged defection attempt. Mm. After the attack, she retired from the Carabineros, and when the justice system summoned her to testify in the cases of disappeared detainees from Menda Sexy, she pretended to have amnesia. How convenient. Yeah. So you can remember that it was the people, that it was your partners in torture. You can you can remember like, oh, that motherfucker shot me in the head. But yeah. you can't remember fucking sicking dogs on people, you piece of shit. Eat a dick, no. bro. In one of the conversations, Olderok told Guzman that she always had three weapons, a pistol in her purse, another on the nightstand, and one in the kitchen oven. Which, honestly, when I watched this, I was like, why is she baking that gun? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I was telling my dad this morning, I was like, this horrible yeah. woman, she's horrible. She kept the gun on her nightstand, in her purse, yeah. and in the oven. And my dad goes... <laughs> He goes, well, what if you forget that you're making bread that day and you turn on the oven and boom. And I'm like, exactly. That thing will go off. Absolutely. It, it will explode your house, bro. Yes. You're an idiot. Absolutely. Oh, man. So Guzman continues. She says here about Olderok. She was a terrible character in a world of horror. Societies have these monsters and these monsters do not end with dictatorships. Monsters are permanently in societies. Oof, that's tough, but true. Humans are the monsters. I mean, facts. At the age of 58, Ingrid Olderok died alone from an acute digestive hemorrhage without having been convicted of any crime. Wow. Good riddance. Yeah, bye, girl. So I think it's also important that we talk about Venda Sexy. Because mm. I assume, like, it 
this place might as well have been Benda Sexy. I think it, so it was. Was supposed because, to be. Like, yeah. The gray house we see, it has two floors and mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. whole thing. And if you, I think the videos we see at the end in the credits are meant to be those places. Yeah. I believe so. So I found an article from opendemocracy.net. The title of the article is Sexual Violence, Torture, and Chile's Struggle for Historical Memory. It was written by Katia Chornik, October 7th of 2019. An otherwise unremarkable house on Calle Irán in southeast Santiago has a somber history. The two-story building was used to detain, torture, and exterminate political opponents under the Pinochet dictatorship. The widespread use of sexual violence against detainees, blindfolded at all times, prompted its macabre name of Venda Sexy, which means sexy blindfold, allegedly coined by perpetrators. That's fucked. Truly. Oh, my God. Disgusting. Oof. According to the Association of Survivors, at least 85 political prisoners were held here between 1974 and 77. More than a quarter of them were killed and made disappear. They were among the 41,470 victims of political detention, torture, forced disappearance, and extrajudicial execution perpetrated by Pinochet's regime across 1,168 detention centers. Crimes that in many cases, as Amnesty International notes, are still waiting for truth, justice, and reparation. Benda Sexy has been in private hands since the end of the Pinochet era. Following decades of campaigning by survivors, in 2016, the state granted the property historical monument status. But the murky sale in April of 2019, I might have this date wrong, but I believe it was sold in April of 2019. Mm. The murky sale of the property by its owner to an estate agent, has angered survivors and activists hoping that Benda Sexy might finally be turned into a memorial center open to the public. Businessman Jose Sarabia bought Benda Sexy in 2005 and lived there with his family until recently. How? Bitch, that motherfucker is haunted haunted if it's not haunted that's sh- like how how do you sleep in that I, house not, how do you how, sleep no. at night how 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 uh, no wow. amount of sage no amount of oh my god priests coming how, in bendiciendo yes. tu casa no hay manera no hay manera i i couldn't do it and i get it like things happen everywhere but this dude just like this center of evil Bro, come on no. there's no there's no way there is no way Okay, so in April of 2019, Saravia sold the house to a real estate firm. Since the news of the sale became public in August of 2019, activists have organized various protests outside Benda Sexy with placards reading La Memoria No Se Vende, which means memory is not for sale. Mm. So the writer says here, my own connection to Venda Sexy is both personal and professional. As a child, we lived abroad and my parents, political exiles, told me little. It was only as a teenager in the 90s, after we returned to Chile, that I began to comprehend the magnitude of what happened in the detention centers. Against their wishes, her parents' wishes, I accompanied my parents to an ecumenical memorial service held outside Benda Sexy. They had been in prison there, and this was the first time they had returned. Standing outside on a gray evening, the painfulness and emotion of that experience for them can hardly be described. Attending the service and meeting other survivors also had a profound impact on me. 
At that time, I was studying the violin and learning that music was so prominent at Benda Sexy as a backdrop to and even a component of torture shocked me. Now, this is really interesting because, you know, music is so heavily featured in this movie. Can I just add something very quickly to this? Absolutely. Please, please. So Ingrid has said that she used to play violin and that when she was shot in the head, it she forgot how one of the things she said that I have amnesia in is wow. violin playing. So interesting that you're saying that. Yeah, interesting. So this article continues. Another survivor, Elias Padilla, told me that they played Radio Concierto FM throughout the day. It was something very strange, absurd, contradictory, even shocking. You could hear the musical hits of 1974, like those of Barry White. Igualito. Like this, the music that she plays is was fully like a disco bop. Absolutely. So playing musical hits of 1974 while they were torturing you. In addition, music silenced our cries and laments. Be. In November 2016, the Chilean parliament passed a law on torture and cruel, inhuman, and degrading treatment. Although this law makes reference to pain or suffering of a sexual nature, women survivors have lobbied successive governments since 2014 for separate legislation classifying political sexual violence as a distinct crime. Mm. Batasiu, who I mentioned in the mm-hmm. previous article, yeah. one of the leaders of the Colectivo Mujeres Sobrevivientes Siempre Resistentes, nice. or the Collective of Always Resisting Women Survivors, insists that such a law is necessary to prosecute past crimes and prevent them from being repeated today. Batasiu imagines that Benda Sexy would be primarily run by women and envisages a broad consultation among survivor and feminist groups to decide the use of the building in detail. Batasiu is proud that the issue is of interest to other groups. She says, We women survivors of the Pinochet dictatorship are inheritors of past struggles and connect with current struggles. That is why we need an active memory. And I think the meaning like that's why they want this to turn into a historical place where people can go and learn about what happened. Absolutely. And what honestly continues to happen. Yeah. And just kind of along those lines... I think it's important to talk about what's happening in Chile now. So while they were making this movie, there were protests happening in Chile. So I I didn't know much. About, I knew very, very little. So I looked it up and I just literally looked up like Chile's political landscape in 2019. And so I found this Wikipedia 2019 slash to 2022 Chilean protests. And it says here. The 2019-2022 Chilean protests, known as the Estallido Social, are a series of massive demonstrations and severe riots that originated in Santiago. Civil protests took place throughout Chile in response to a raise in the Santiago Metro subway fare, probity crisis, cost of living, privatization, and inequality prevalent in the country. The protests began in Chile's capital, as a coordinated fair evasion campaign by secondary school students, which led to spontaneous takeovers of the city's main train stations and open confrontations with the carabineros. Mm. On the 25th of October of 2019, over 1.2 million people took to the streets of Santiago to protest against social inequality, demanding President Piñera's resignation in what was called the biggest march in Chile. As of the 28th of December of 2019, 29 people have died. Nearly 2,500 have been injured and 
2,840 have been arrested. Human rights organizations have received several reports of violations conducted against protesters by security forces, including eye mutilation, torture, sexual abuse, and sexual assault. Jesus. Back in time. Just happened. On December 19th of 2021, former student leader and constitutional agreement negotiator, 35-year-old leftist Gabriel Boric, was elected president of Chile in the 2021 Chilean presidential election. So that seems like, you know, people were protesting against Piñera. Mm -hmm. They have a new president now who is a baby. Jesus, a he, child. He, oh he loves Taylor Swift. I mean, <laughs> that's adorable. Not a child. You know what I mean? It's just he's younger than we are. So I'm like, whoa. Yeah. And you're the president of the country. Yeah. So that is one thing. But I just wanted to mention specifically like that these protests were happening. Same kind of thing as way back then while this fucking movie was being made. Nuts. And that is my trivia for today. Fantastic. I'm just going to add a few more things about Ingrid because she's a piece of garbage in an article by, oh, I think it's from that same BBC News Mundo, pero mm. es en español, mm -hmm. and it's on a website called elmostrador.cl about the meeting between Nancy Guzman and Ingrid. She's talking about her guns, the purse, the nightstand, and the oven. And apparently Ingrid stands up, goes into the kitchen, and comes back and puts a gun on the table. And Nancy Guzman says, I didn't know what to do. Until I tell, quote, until I tell her, take out this weapon, I don't like weapons. And at that moment, she gets furious and tells me that she hates people like me. She kept repeating to me, te odio, odio a pacifistas. And then she says that that's how their interviews were. That on another occasion, she told her to be careful because there was an active organization of former agents called Dinita, like a little Dina, and that, quote, anything could happen to her. Oh, as a threat as to a Guzman. threat to Nancy Guzman. Okay, so she's bonkers. Oh, I mean, she was already a absolute garbage fucking person, right? Wow. Uh, and I, I'm sure being shot in the head didn't fucking help Ooh. a goddamn thing, so. Nope. I found an article on pledgetimes.com called Ingrid Olderock, the officer who subjected prisoners to dog rapes. Some more horrible details about this person. She was found in a lot of documents that recorded abuses committed by state officials at the time of the military coup. So that's why there's a lot of there was a lot of evidence held against her, but she was like, mm, wham, amnesia. God, it makes me think of the people who actually went out to like assassinate her. Basically, they failed. And now she gets to live the rest of her life just happy as a clam. Yeah, doing whatever she wants. Because she can pretend that she has amnesia. And it also makes me think of like, I didn't know who this woman was until I watched this movie. How many people are out there? 70, 74? That wasn't that long ago. No. How many people are out there to this day who are still like, I did all sorts of awful, nasty, Fuck. evil shit. Yeah. And I'm living the high life. Yeah. Nobody's going to punish me for it. How many people in how many countries? Like, it's mind boggling to me 
that first of all that like how many people are out there who've done shit like this but just like how are you capable of doing this absolutely it makes no sense in my brain it's very very upsetting um let's stop talking about that dumb hoe and let's talk about oh my god please <laughs> Hugo Covarrubias. uh i found an article called from the website latercera.com and the article is called la historia de Hugo Covarrubias el director de Bestia que logró una nueva candidatura al Oscar para Chile. He graduated with a degree in graphic design from the Universidad Arcis, Arcis, A-R-C-I-S. Mm -hmm. He's a designer and an audiovisual director, and he's specialized in directing and animating in stop motion. In 2007, he premiered the short El Almohadón de Plumas, which is an adaptation of Horacio Quiroga's novel El Almohadón de Plumas. And then he was the co-director of the successful Chilean series Puerto Papel. He's also worked on animation productions for TV like El Ogro y el Pollo. <laughs> that's, just, <laughs> that's so cute. Y Horacio y los Plasticines. He's also the, one of the founders of Malesa, which is a national company that pioneers in the theater of animation. Mm, cool. Yeah. So they started work, like pre-production work in 2018 for Bestia. And him, Martin Erazo, and Tebo Diaz were working on a series to highlight different persons of history of Chile. Pero... Mm. That didn't work out, so they focused only on this character, on Ingrid. And the animation process began in 2019, and and it was ready to present itself at El Festival de Annecy last June. So the film itself won Best Animated Short Subject at the 49th Annie Awards, and the Annie Awards are... They honor the excellence in the field of animation, which is very cool. It also made the shortlist for Best Animated Short Film in the 94th Academy Awards, later achieving the nomination, becoming the second Chilean animated short film to be nominated for an Oscar after Bear Story in 2016, which won the award. So very nice, Chile. Damn, Chile. Way to go. So the character of Ingrid was created with polyutherane resin bathed in crystal resin to give her face a texture similar to ceramic, which is very cool. Mm. Meanwhile, the sets and decorations were made with different opaque cardboards to create a contrast from the brightness and the shininess of the resin. Just a few of the accolades that they have won uh, in 2018, they got the Anima Cordova International Animation Festival. They won for Best Animated Short Film Grand Jury Prize, which is very cool. The Berlin Interfilm Festival, which is one of the festivals that you have to win to be able to. There's certain festivals and categories of festivals that you have to either be nominated for or win to be able to go to the Oscars. Oh, wow. So that's one of them, uh, which won Best Animation International Competition. Viña del Mar International Film Festival, which is a Chilean. It's Viña del Mar is huge. It's a huge mm. honor to win a Viña del Mar, and it won for best short film. And nice. um, 
and again, the Annie Awards and nominated for the Academy Awards. And I found a YouTube clip of Hugo Covarrubias called Meet the Artist, Hugo Covarrubias on Bestia, and it's in the Sundance Institute YouTube channel. And he talks a little bit about it, and he says, quote, People said she had almost no expression on her face, Ingrid. That's why our main character's face looks like a ceramic or porcelain doll, resembling the aesthetics of German or Eastern European dolls, which I was like, mm. interesting. And he says, I hope that the audience gets carried away with the sensations and textures so they can connect those pieces of history that may be lost or fragmented and help to understand the evils of humanity from different points of view. And that's the end of my trivia. Nice. Loved your trivia. I just want to like talk out some themes here with you to see if maybe we can discover what some of these things meant in this movie because this movie is a smart cookie Mm -hmm. and sometimes when they're that way they just go right over my head because as we all know dundo over here so what was your interpretation of the knife wiggling on its own and then spinning around in circles on its own so Ugo talks about in one of his interviews that we're in her psyche. We're inside her mind and in her judgments of herself. And it's the reason why we zoom into the hole in her head at the beginning, because these are her Mm -hmm. memories. This is how she views herself and views her time doing this stuff. Now, to me, the knife felt very much like she knew it was wrong. Like that knife was very much Mm. when it spins and lands pointing at her, like that's Mm. it's coming for you. It's a threat to you. Yeah. It's like you, Mm. you know that what you're doing is murdering people and torturing people. And so it's, Mm -hmm. it's literally the knife is pointing at you Mm. and it's yourself pointing at you. You know what I mean? Sure. At least that's what I think. What did you think? I honestly was like, I don't quite get this part. That's why I was asking. But discussing it with you, I think, you know, a big butcher knife basically is a very threatening object. And the fact that it's moving on its own, like you said, it's in her psyche. So things are a little bit loosey goosey. What is reality? What is not? And she's never stable because she's constantly. Uh I mean, she's paranoid. She walks out of her house looking everywhere. She is constantly in a weird dreamlike state thinking about that field and like uh, cutting off her dog's head and seeing like mm-hmm. these are these are because I don't think she's just like, I'm killing a dog. No, this is a dog that she's using to fucking do horrible things mm-hmm. to people. And mm-hmm. it's um, I think all those moments of her in that dark field and her in these dreamlike states, it's. There's so many times she's staring at her window. She's sitting at a table alone, smoking a cigarette. Like that's got to be a clouded, dark brain you're living in. And it can't just be, you're not happy to live in that space. You can't be. Right. There is no. And she's, there's nobody else giving her, well, maybe you shouldn't do this. There's nobody else in her life. She has no friends. There's nobody else. She's giving got her, her a dog. different outlook. Yeah. Yeah. Just this dog that listens to everything she tells it to do. Yeah. Or that uh, does everything she tells it to do. Dark. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, wh- so I also was like, why with, so the bullet, the huge ass bullet mm-hmm. entering her house, her home yeah. after she gets shot, the, everything clearing away. Mm-hmm. That to me, I was like, oh, this is her amnesia. Mm-hmm. 
In my mind, I think, though, that the amnesia was faked, but it seems that this movie is suggesting that she did forget everything. Is that what you took from that? No, I think it's damage. Like, that's the bullet furthering her already maddened mind. If anything, maybe it's a uh, maybe the film is trying to not make the excuse, but like show the representation of the fact that she said she had amnesia or that it was almost a way out for her. Like that bullet in her brain was a way for her to. Oh, great. Now I can officially forget the stuff that I've been Mm. living with this whole time. This is my chance to erase this past Which is when afterwards we see her sitting in her seat, looking out of her window, seeing the people she tortured and killed on the clouds. It's like, sorry, honey, you can get out of the space that you thought you were living in, but that shit's going to follow you for the rest of your fucking life. Yeah. Oof, all these faceless people. Mm. So sad. And just last thing that I wanted to just point out is I loved, and I this is how I interpret this thing of her seeing that chair with the tape deck mm-hmm. dissolving. Well, first of all, interesting that, you know, she's at Benda Sexy where there's music being blasted all the time. She goes home. She continues to play music a lot of the time. Yeah. That's creepy to me. But I love that shot. It's after she gets the, I believe, like resignation letter or whatever. Basically, like you are not doing this anymore. You don't work for us anymore. The chair with the radio slowly being dissolved. Very La Casa Lobo gave me those vibes, like which we mentioned. And then that house in what I'm going to call her dream state getting pulled away from her. Mm -hmm. I was like, what a way to show us like no more torture for you. Like you still want it, but. Sorry, not for you. Yeah, Yeah, that's very, very, very smart. Totally. Anyway, you want to answer some questions for me? Yeah. Eileen, were you scared? I was unnerved. My shoulders were up to my ears. There was never a moment of like, huh, you know, an obvious scare, but definitely just like, oh, Something is wrong. Something is yeah. bad. So th- if that's being scared, then yes. <laughs> sure. What sure. about you? I said no, but that I was heavily disturbed. Yeah, it's by this a disturbing movie. vibe. Very disturbing. Yeah. What was your best scare? Uh, when we were the blindfolded woman, when she was standing at at the at the doorway and we the on the screen was like the the blindfold Ugh. and she just stands there for like i'm gonna say it's four seconds it's not very long at all but her and she's immovable and that fucking face and then just like walking over to the tape deck and you're like immediately you know you're someone there like you're mm. you, they put us in their shoes but you still don't know what it is yet and i'm like oh god what the I fuck is know. going on now yeah 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 absolutely mine was when she's very angry in her house it wasn't a scary moment it was just the most like oh wow that really affected me She's smashing through her house and she like smashes her hand down on the table. It's like the entire scene just cracks in mm-hmm. two. I I wasn't scared by it, but it was very effective. I really loved that shot. Who was your favorite character? <laughs> I wrote the faceless man. 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> Just because, uh, sure, that guy. Sure. Scare Why not? that bitch. You scare her. Yeah, you should scare her. I mean, that's literally, I assume that is supposed to represent one of her many faceless victims. Yeah. So, yeah, scare the shit out of her, Michael Myers. <laughs> I didn't have a favorite character. That's okay. I don't think. We- <laughs> I was like, I can't pick the dog no, because. No, dog I can't pick the bad. The dog I was is so a- mad at her for making us not like yeah. this dog. Oh, Ugh. man. Absolutely. Did you learn anything about the culture? I mean, I learned something about fucking Ingrid being a garbage human being, even though we already know so much about this uh, Pinochet being a piece of shit. We know about Dina. We know about all that stuff. But, you know, and I think this is the point of these filmmakers is they even said, like, we want to put we want to showcase these lesser known people in Chilean history. And it's like, here we go. Just as evil. I mean, she was the first Latin American woman to jump in a fucking parachute, dude. And then you turn out to be a goddamn piece of shit. We can't celebrate that because you're a fucking no. monster, you asshole. Ugh, I hate her. So, so yeah, I learned. What about you? <laughs> I also wrote, yes, I learned quite a bit. I learned about this, this hideous woman. Uh, you know, a lot of the learning was us on our own kind of exploring more, but wouldn't have learned it without this film. So, yeah. yes. And finally, how many ooeys do you give this movie? I'm giving it four and a half ooeys, dude. This movie Mm -hmm. was so cool to look at. And, you know, a quick little jam, but it tells so fucking much. It is Mm -hmm. unnerving. I mean, I took half off because it wasn't super scary, but like, Mm. it's just what a way to tell the story of this woman's life. You, you, even without doing research, you know enough to be like, this is a horrible person living with absolute nightmares that she's created herself. Like you have to live with your own fucking consequences, dude. And what an, like, it's just a brilliant way to do that. And again, again, the animation part of it is so fucking good, dude. What a world that they built. I fucking, I really like this movie. So four and a half. Evils? Look, I, I straight up just gave it a five. Hey! And the reason I gave it a five, like, I don't really, well, the thing is, I would want to watch this again for the animation, but the subject matter, like, that's what I would knock it for is, like, I don't want to have to think about this but it's also like you should think about this and you should know about this and be aware of this so for that reason I was like fuck it give it a five because aside from the fact that the animation is so good and you can see you can see the amount of work that was put into this film and for 15 minutes dude it's just incredible and detailed and gorgeous aside from all that what you're exploring here, these dark, dark themes, not not even really like, I mean, not even it's not even very like bashing us over the head with it, for lack of a better term. Absolutely not. It suggests enough that you're like, oof, this is really, really uncomfortable and unsettling, but important. Yeah. And I love I love creative exploration of, you know, true, true events that must be expressed and explored if like just going in this in this like on in this direction to explore that love yeah. so fuck it five fuck this it five. i think this movie deserves it yeah anyway but well, but again tough tough subject yes. matter yes let's get anyway out we did it loving the sexy cuz uh <laughs> Please. I, I do not want to be here anymore thank you 
so, so much for being here with us, everybody. Again, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Follow us on our redes sociales at Uyquerror on Instagram and Twitter. You can send us an email at Uyquerror at gmail.com. Thank you to Sonoro. You give us a hug every time. <laughs> you can follow <laughs> you can follow Sonoro at Sonoro Podcast on Instagram and Twitter as well. And um Chile, this message is for you. We love you so much. You've been through so much. I'm hoping mm. and sending you so much healing, nurturing, loving vibes. We know you can succeed and be a wonderful, happy place again. I believe in you because, man, y'all have been through it. And I think hopefully soon, if it's happening now, then I'm thrilled that you guys are finding peace again because you deserve it. Absolutely. Ditto to all of that. We love you. We love you. And Johnny, I fucking love you, dude. I fucking love you, too. <laughs> and we'll see you guys in la próxima semana. Adios. Adios. Uy, qué horror. Es una producción de Sonoro. Produced by Jonathan Atkinson and Eileen Clark. Edición y mezcla, Karina Riverol. Escuche Uy, qué horror en cualquier plataforma donde escuchen podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Adios. Adios. So no